Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We've got a special guest today, Jeremy Ryan Sleet. The thing that's most notable about you to me, and I think probably the most topical at this moment, is that you studied early Roman Empire propaganda. So, uh, because that's the question now for men is how often do you think of the Roman Empire? You know, I it, interestingly enough, I don't know. I, I've been fo- seeing that thread popping up, man. But like, I what what actually got that whole thing going? Who because... the fuck knows? I mean, it's like yeah, here's what I think it is actually. Um, <clears throat> our parents' generation, um, at some at some point in their lives, men became obsessed with World War II, and maybe it's just a function of the History Channel making all the content. Sure. You know, who knows? Um, but. That, that was a thing that happened. And I am also, I mean, I was a soldier, so I'm obsessed with all warfare. But um, I think that there's been this rediscovery of the Stoics, maybe. And that's why people become obsessed with Roman culture again. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like I was like into that stuff before it was cool, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I was, I was, um, almost 37 and like I was into that stuff as like a you know 10 year old man so it's like I've for me it's always been interesting and the way I like what I studied in school is I was looking at actually the propaganda that Augustus Caesar used to convince people he was divine Mm. because if you get get into that whole thing that's crazy interesting man of like how a politician especially in that time period is easier to do but for instance people he's God like that's that's crazy well they were uh uh you know, polytheistic society. So I guess it's a little easier then to do it maybe than it would have been. Although it, it wasn't terribly difficult for, um, you know, first century Christians to convince people that a carpenter was God either. So, um, well, because if you look at it this way, man, like I think the thing that's different is like people then, like they thought like, you know, gods and men were walking around at the same time. Like the veil was a lot thinner to them, if sure, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So like it was much, much more believable. Like, Especially like with Julius... Greek and Roman uh, uh, mythology, yeah. right? I mean, that was kind of part of the culture, I guess. Yeah. So I, I think when you look <laughs> at it, I think people are interested in that because, you know, I think America as a culture right now, we're, we're kind of falling down. And we've done it because we've done it in a similar ways. Our politicians have enriched themselves and they've you know, voted themselves more power and they really don't care about the people they're representing. So we, we've gotten this this strange position where we're looking at, you know, kind of this forlorn day of the past. And I think that's, to me, why people are looking at the Roman Empire. But at the same time, I don't know if you follow Darren Beatty at all. Do you follow, do you follow Darren Beatty Revolver.News at all? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. So he he, call, he talks about like with where America's at right now, we're kind of like the uh, American globalist empire in a way, mm. because we're, we've become the army pushing a lot of these things forward rather than actually like going for liberty and going for freedom. Instead, like we're going around the world and kind of enforcing our will on people. Yeah. It's weird how that turned, isn't it? I mean, we went from, um, uh, uh, a revolutionary war of ideas, uh, certainly to some interesting conflicts through the early part of the 19th century, then to the civil war and then to the Monroe doctrine almost directly after that, not, not, directly not not immediate after that but that that was kind of the side um as we were becoming hegemons of north america north and south america the idea that like all right we're here in the americas we'll deal with this europe you deal with your own problems right that was generally the sentiment that that we had about it to then getting involved in two world wars and 
two not so great ones in Korea and and uh, and uh, Vietnam to suppress communism. Um, and it's like those were all kind of driven from the um, American political left, but there was a lot of toppling and nation building, right? Mm-hmm. Which is not something that you would expect from a from a country that founded itself on the principles of federalism and and you know decentralized power, right? But that's a lot about how if you look bring back the the the, the parallel of the Roman Empire, that's a lot of what happened in the later years, and you're looking at. Um, I think it was 476 when the Roman Empire fell. So, like in that time period, that's kind of what it had become—a series of weak leaders uh, that were into some weird sexual shit. Like you can put that aside, but at the same time, it was a series of weak leaders. They're giving away citizenship to everybody else, so citizenship has no meaning. It's after Diocletian decides, hey, you know what? If you live in our territory, you're a citizen now. So there, there really was nothing to. Um, no value to it, no value to actually being a part of it. And they continue to, to bring in these these different empires. We're, we're doing very similar things. And I think to me, that's the scary part, because you even look at the border problems we're having mm-hmm. right now. We've lost value on what it means to be a citizen. I think New York State, they were looking at with your driver's license now, when you get your driver's license, doing automatic voter registration. And it's like, well, what if you're not a citizen? How does that work? And that's the caveat that hasn't been addressed. So I think we're in this really rough position where if we get back to the to the ideas of the constitution and enforce those things we can we can do something about it but we're kind of teetering on a razor's edge man like if yeah. you look at it a lot of what we're dealing with started in 1913 when we had the the 17th amendment we had income tax and we also had uh, the federal reserve those are three things that if unless you do anything about them we don't really get um the ability to control our country anymore sure yeah yeah and it, it wasn't just uh it, when you're talking about the roman empire it wasn't just weak leaders um but the leaders, and it wasn't just the emperor or or um, before him the senate uh, and tribune and shit. That it was uh, all of these assholes were using wars of conquest essentially to amass power and enrich themselves. Which mm-hmm. you know <clears throat> you're not gonna. There isn't a version where Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham. And, uh, you know, uh, their counterparts on the left become the governor of Yemen. Right. And mm-hmm. like you own property there. You've got a nice villa. You, you get you collect annual revenue from Yemen and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't work the same way. There's I mean, there's mm-hmm. right. Uh, the, but it certainly works insofar as General Dynamics, Raytheon, Lockheed and uh, Boeing spend billions, if not, or, or I'm sorry, collect billions of dollars of revenue from taxpayers and then to mm-hmm. redistribute those to these politicians, right? So they're still making their money. It's just in a more roundabout way, and we still um, call that an institution somehow. That's bizarre to me. Well, and you still got you got Gold Bar Bob here in New Jersey. Too. Have, you, have you heard that story about Bob Menendez? Our, yeah, man. He got off in 2017 from, like, picking up hookers, and now um, he basically was getting gold from a developer in Jersey City that was actually uh, doing stuff for the government of Egypt. So it's I, I would love to see how many people in our government have things like that going on. And I think like you, the corruption issue is is a big problem, too. But I think also if you look at bringing this back into the idea of the Roman Empire, it got too big as well. Right. Mm. Because there was one emperor that ruled the Roman Empire when when the first emperor being uh, Augustus Caesar. Mm. But as it got bigger, you've got two senior emperors and two junior emperors because it got to be so big they couldn't control one emperor and then you got to a situation where military commanders would be like 
fuck that guy. I can do a better job than him. And then they would start rolling in and, and taking over. So you had like the year of five emperors and you had all these things start to to really get to the point where there wasn't really a stable political system as well. And it was just too freaking big, man. I think that's the problem we have here in the U.S. is as a country, if you look at it as a federal system, it's big. But that's why we have states rights in the 10th Amendment so that each state can kind of handle their stuff. And if there's a bigger problem, the federal government exists. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> um yeah, we've got a very strange relationship with the Constitution now. A lot of people, you know, I, I think it's a reflection of the lackadaisical attitude and um, t towards your own personal civil liberties, frankly. But there, there are. I, I think if you ask, you know, a sizable amount of people, a good percentage of them would say that our rights are granted to us from the Constitution or from the government or something like that. Um, and that's that couldn't be more wrong, right? It, it, now, if you read any of the other divine. historical documents, they are con they're consistently referred to as either God-given or natural rights, but depending on who the author was, um, and that they're simply enumerated on paper, right? Um, mm -hmm. And then the, the purpose of the Constitution wasn't to necessarily display our rights, but rather to show exactly where the government is not allowed to infringe, you know? Um, Correct. And it's... I, I, <clears throat> I want to get into this because you talk about education uh, quite a bit. And we're fucked right now. I mean, a primary <laughs> primary education has been fucked since the early part of the 19th century, since it, yes. since the Department of Education came around. But even before that, um, if you looking if you listen to trendsetters and and titans of industry from back then, Henry Ford, Rockefeller, people like that, they would they would very often and openly intimate that the purpose of public education is to create good workers, right? But that's not mm -hmm. what the fucking purpose of education is. It's to create critical thinkers. Now, critical thinkers aren't going to, uh, uh, they're probably not going to uh, be as compliant, I guess. You mm -hmm. know? Um, and it's interesting to me that we've become more educated and more compliant over the last hundred years or so. So, like a, a, a version of, a, of American. Uh, as it were, that the founders would not recognize, right? Yeah. And I wonder what you think about that. Well, we'll get to secondary education in a moment, but for primary education, is it just, like I like to apply Hanlon's razor, is it just incompetence on these people's part? Is it it's like it's easy, it's mass production of education, it's easier just to teach to the test and blah, 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 uh, and critical thinkers in the classroom are disruptive and blah, 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 whatever else. I, 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 I can kind of see them. But man, it, I can only think of one reason that you would intentionally not teach people to think critically, and that's how you could take advantage of them. Well, I think it it didn't start there, but I think that's where it ended up. Mm. And because there's kind of two different parts that come into this, the first is being the system and how it started is essentially flawed. You know, you look at American education starting with the the Horace Mann schools in the in the the late 19th century out of out of Massachusetts. And that came into kind of the Industrial Revolution, right? And you need, like you were talking about, factory workers, people like that, but also the ideas of our school actually come out of the Austro-Hungarian model. And in that model, we were trying to make soldiers. So really all you wanted were people that could work on an assembly line and, and, and take orders. And that was simple and that you could mass produce that and whatever. But then what happens in the 70s and 80s, um, are you familiar with the work of James Lindsay at all? Yes. Um, okay, so James Lindsay follows the work of this guy, Paulo Ferreri out of Brazil. And what Paulo Ferreri did is he took liberation theology remove the theology ideas and replace that with Marxism. So you have this system that's essentially flawed and they're trying to mass produce it. So then this guy come in the 80s, 
starts teaching these ideas. Some of his students follow this information and bring it back to the American schools of education, right, who trains our teachers. And then that information, now you have an assembly line, not just the people that follow orders and will do whatever. You also have people that are now being taught in a Marxist ideology in schools, and the teachers actually think that way because that's how they're schooled. So it becomes this really, as I said, I don't think it started out as a, as a thing to be diabolical. I think it was more of an idea of this can be easily be mass produced. We can do it everywhere. Mm -hmm. And where it's ended up is, is really it's become just a woke factory. And for me, that's why my kids are doing homeschool mm -hmm. because I, I am terrified of our, of our public schools. I, um, you know, I went to school in the, in the, the 80s and 90s. And I barely, I barely survived grammar school because I was one of those really smart, high IQ kids. And in second grade, they had a meeting with my parents. And when I say they, I mean my teacher and the principal. There was no psychologist, psychiatrist, anybody like that present. And they said, you know, listen, this kid's got to stay on, go on drugs or he can't stay here. And they were, you know, they wanted me to go on Riddle at that point in time. And they're like, well, number one, who are you to tell us this? And number two, he's probably one of the smartest kids in the class. So we don't reward people for critical thinking and think outside the box. We figure out how to keep them in line with everybody else. So because of that, we don't create entrepreneurs. We don't create out-of-the-box thinkers. And, you know, that's where we're at now, man. Yeah, it's weird. We wouldn't do that uh, in any other industry, right? Like if somebody uh, designed an automobile engine that was faster than everybody else's, there would be no public outcry, I guess, to slow that vehicle down or to make it less efficient or anything like that. But we do that with no, human there'd beings. Be, there'd a lot. be lobbyists. The lobbyists C certainly, are like. <laughs> certainly there would be lobbyists. <clears throat> but j just generally speaking, inside of the the business itself, nobody would right. think to do that because that's fucking dumb, right? Um, but no, we do that. You, we you do that want... to human beings a lot. We 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 clip the wings of people very frequently, I don't, and I don't know. It's not always for the same reason. Um, you know, for the discoverers of the the middle part of the millennia, um, I think it was wrapped up in religious power a lot like they wanted to be this the primary access to god they wanted to be the primary access of science and information and stuff like that when somebody stepped out of line and challenged their worldview they had to be dealt with i get that part but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me why it's persisted because we do have now now they're doing very odd mind games and perhaps that's why marxism is making such a comeback uh a low-key comeback i mean it's not really low-key for paying attention but they're they're not calling it marxism is what i mean right um Maybe that's why it's making such a com a comeback because it's a lot more complicated to talk to somebody that has all of this information and experience and still convince them to act in their against their own best interest, which they've been pretty effective at doing. Well, it's interesting too because I know like Kyle Serafin, um, he's a guy that actually ended up leaving the FBI a number mm -hmm. of years ago after he yeah, saw he was what on they the were show doing. Last people. week, okay, cool. So he talks about too, like even what the FBI is looking for now, they want college educated people, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're schooled in a certain type of information. They don't want soldiers. They don't want police officers anymore because those are people that will think outside of the box. And I think that's what our system has started to reward and create more of. So you even look at it and it's like, well, you know, you went to undergrad, great. You should go to grad school. You should do this. You should do that. And when our society rewards more of that. People think they need more of that in order to survive, and it's made this thing you have to have. Where if, if you look at it, frankly, the biggest thing we're missing in our world right now is apprenticeships. And that's somebody that it's not the same as an internship. They work in a, in, a, in a job for a period of time. They get paid for it, and they decide, do I like this? Don't I like this? Can I get some experience in this? They, they do it a lot in the trades, but they don't do it anywhere else anymore. And I think that is a giant thing that's missing. Instead of everybody goes to college, that is the major thing wrong with our system because you're creating people that don't know how to apply the information they're getting because they can't apply it because it's flawed. And they're also creating all this debt. So to me, I think the major thing we have to do is, is college education should not be for everyone, man, but it's become like high school part mm. two. And so everybody gets a, 
and a BA, so now everybody needs an MA or a PhD, and it's it's kind of worthless at this yeah. point. Yeah, it's uh, that that's the you know any anything like that just gets turned into an industry, whether it's like even social activism gets turned into an industry. That's why we'll we'll get to a point where we where where the 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 majority of people of uh, believe that we are in or nearing a post racial society. But then you'll start hearing about racist stuff again. You know what I mean? Because it's an industry. There are people making money off of selling their books or, or you know, having their anti-racist institution, which is now failing. Surprise. I'm shocked by that. Um, uh, but it's <clears throat> like all the, this is the thing that puzzles me. All this information is available. You can get on the Internet right now and look at the difference in pay scale and relative debt for a truck driver versus a first five-year tech employee. And it's not even close, right? The truck driver is in a way better situation. A welder is in a way better situation than that tech employee. And this was five or 10 years ago. Today, it's probably going to extend way beyond their first five years because now they're in crippling debt. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Not only are they in crippling debt, but they're paying rising rent costs because they can't afford a mortgage. And it's just going to continue like that, right? It's just, it, there's there's real really no end in sight. There's not like a... There's no buffer period. It's like after World War II, there was the GI Bill, and it's largely responsible mm -hmm. for creating what became the middle class in this country, right? Through VA home loans, where people make the majority, like the middle class makes the majority of their, uh, their wealth through the, the equity in their home over the course of its lifetime. Uh, and then college education's right to differentiate, or apprenticeships, the, the VA, or the GI Bill pay for all that stuff. Now, I don't, I don't see what's coming, right, to save mm -hmm. this next, not save, right, but to, to replace what we've had in previous generations where it's like, all right, this is our generation's moment to shed off bullshit that happened from before and become successful. You know what I mean? I, I, I only see young kids struggling right now. Mm -hmm. Well, I think part of it goes back to getting to the value of hard work, man. Like, like people don't put value in hard work. They look down on it. And I think that's a giant societal thing that needs to be changed, right? They don't see value in hard work, value in competence, value in ability. And, you know, that's one of the major things in, in Atlas Shrug that, that Ayn Rand puts as one of the principles, you know, that there's no people of ability or people that are able to do anything, just people that can say, oh, I can't do anything about it. It's somebody else's problem. I think it really comes back to it's a parenting thing, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, my kids are younger, so it's, you know, I'm, I'm not a super expert at this. I know other people out there probably are. But I think it comes back to, you know, putting value in hard work, putting value in, you know, what you can create and what you can do and not de depending on other people for things. You know, we have 30 chickens here, so we get a dozen eggs every morning. Um, you know, we make our own bread. We do all that kind of stuff. And I think you have to have a level of self-sufficiency and a level of that you're giving to your kids. You know, I was lucky that my parents gave that to me because, you know, my mom uh, didn't end up going to college because her dad got cancer her senior year of high school. So she, you know, ended up not going. And my dad um, didn't finish because he was one of those kids that started trouble all the time. And frankly, I learned the value of not just hard work, but smart work. And I think a lot of people don't have that. And that is the number one thing that is killing our country. Everybody wants to do it easier. Everybody mm. thinks that somebody else has, uh, you know, got it easier than them. And they're trying to figure out how to do it. When we should look at what difficult things can we do and how can we improve from those things. But a lot of people don't want to do that, man. This episode of Citizen is brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee Company. Join the Black Rifle Coffee Club and get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company is veteran operated and supports America's military, law enforcement, and first responders. Get premium coffee delivered every month. Choose your favorite roast 
rounds, and delivery schedule anytime you like. Members also get free shipping and access to exclusive partner discounts. The best value you're going to get from Black Rifle Coffee is the coffee club. As again, you can choose the roast, whether you're like light, dark, or medium. You can choose the texture. You can choose whether you want uh, ground coffee, whether you want to grind it yourself and get whole bean, or if you use a Keurig and you want the coffee rounds and the delivery schedule with a wider uh, array of options for that. Get 20% off your first order with the code CITIZEN. So go to blackriflecoffee.com, sign up for the coffee club, use the code CITIZEN, and get 20% off your first order. This episode of CITIZEN is also brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. Right now, Ghostbed is offering 40% off Ghostbed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base. For everything else, 30% off if you use the code drinking bros at ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. If you get the uh, 40% off deal, if you use the 40% off bundle deal, you're going to get uh, a mattress and all your stuff, your base, your sheets, your pillows, all this stuff for about 30 to 35 bucks a month. They've got a zero down, 0% financing plan for up to 60 months, six zero months. That's five years, uh, about the lifespan of the average bed. So it works out great for you, works out great for uh, the company. So go check it out. Go to ghostbed.com for us. Drink it, bros. Whether you're in the market for a bed, uh, an adjustable base, whether you just need sheets or pillows or any of that stuff, they got the best. The mattress protector, the weighted blanket. They have everything you need there. 30% off everything. Use the code DRINKINGBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINGBROS. Or if you need that adjustable base as well and the mattress, get the bundle and everything else you add onto that deal is 40% off. Yeah, uh, this is this is the speech I give about um, for for the, the growing number of right-leaning libertarians that I see, um, especially in, in the millennial and, and the Zoomer age group. Um, but you've got to, in your, in your own life, you have to be proactively solving problems. Certainly every step you take that doesn't require assistance from somebody else, one makes you stronger and also insulates you from their influence over your life, which is, I think those are two really important things. Um, if you, you know, value liberty and autonomy and shit. Um, and then the other part of that is. The, the relationship that we now have with government. I think if you ask somebody, um, if you had asked one of us, myself or you, back in the 90s when we were in high school if uh, or middle school, whatever, whatever grade you were in then, um, explain what it is to be an American, you would probably have an answer to that question. Now, there, there's, yeah. there are going to be disparate answers, certainly probably based on your... Uh, uh, political affiliation or your race or uh, your geographical location in the country, I'm sure you would get disparate answers. But everybody, I think, would have some kind of answer, and I think the vast majority of them would be positive. Now, I don't think that, like a 15-year-old today, high school student, I don't know that they would even have an answer to that question in a lot of places across America right now. It's a big problem, right? Because you can't, mm -hmm. it can't become part of your identity if you can't fucking define it. And I think it's important, not from a nationalistic standpoint, but from a pride standpoint, insofar as G.K. Chesterton said that Rome, uh, uh, I'm sorry, that men didn't love Rome because she was great. Rome was great because the men loved her, right? That, that's a, it's, it's a broken window theory kind of situation. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important to people. And they now see the government as some external entity that does something. Very, mm -hmm. it's very elusive to wrap your 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 hands around exactly what government does, aside from just you know robbing you, I guess. But um, 
the the second part of that statement is that if you want to limit the size of government, and it's not about the relative size, it's about the power, obviously. But if you want to limit the power yes. of government, um, there's there's really not easy, but there's very efficient ways that nobody can stop you from doing to do that. And one is to solve problems before the government shows up, right? So if mm-hmm. there's problems in your community, go fucking solve that problem. Because when the government shows up and nobody has a handout, they don't have any power there. And they know it, right? Mm-hmm. So this, is, this, this reliance on everybody else, this general attitude of somebody's got to do something is really a problem now. And I don't know if it's an effect of the education system or if it is just, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's a confluence of things, but seeing people su- successful on social media for having done very little, you know, mm-hmm. probably is like, well, that's not fair. I should, that should be me. But I think also it's like this, this idea, I don't know if you're familiar with the fourth turning concept mm-hmm. at all, but it's this, this idea of the, the farther away we get from hardship, the kind of the less hard we get as a people. And, you know, when you look at it, you know, uh, you know, hard men create easy times and soft men create hard times, right? It's kind of this this strange situation we're in as well. So we're so far away from what it means to to have to actually struggle with something where we've had all this abundance through the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. And we, we didn't really learn how to do for ourselves and provide for ourselves. And, you know, I know it's one of the principles of the show, the, the Ben Franklin quote, where he mm-hmm. talks about sacrificing your liberty for security. And that's what we continue to do, man. We continue to sacrifice our liberty for security. And if you look at what happened after the Patriot Act, after 9-11, we gave away so much of our ability to do anything for ourselves. And most people are like, yeah, Patriot, I love it. Let's do it. But, you know, they use flowery language to confuse you. And most people, the problem is most people will not read those bills. They won't look into that information. They won't understand what the government is doing. And I think that's what it comes down to, man. So that we only have we only have ourselves to blame because mm-hmm. we won't take a few minutes to read something. Like it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, and then, you know, obviously opportunists are gonna take advantage of that. They're gonna they're gonna Absolutely. they're they're gonna write a two thousand page bill and then give it to you six hours before a vote and say, Hey, you know, we need to vote on this. Um mm-hmm. Like, well, it was like the Jobs Act with Pelosi. So we need to pass the bill so we can show you yeah, what's yeah, in yeah, it. And yeah, yeah. That's it's crazy, man. Crazy. That, that's, <laughs> that, is, uh, that, is, that is truly an imbecilic way of, of communicating to people. But they, they, they will only talk to people like that if they know people will accept that. They, there mm-hmm. will be some folks who are like, no, whatever. But it's like, no, we got to trust our government. Mm-hmm. What? I'm sorry. What document from which founding father did you read that told you to trust the fucking government? Because I've read them all, and I don't remember hearing that phrase. <laughs> I read the Federalist Papers, man. It's not in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, that's a bit much. Uh, <clears throat> how how would you describe where you fall on the political spectrum? Because it's I like to ask people uh, that I'm now fucked. because that's where I am. It's it's, it's like, like I'm I'm fucked. Yeah. Because I look at it and it's like. You know, Republicans don't like me because I'm not Republican enough and mm. Democrats don't like me because I'm not Democrat enough. I'm I'm very um, fiscally conservative, but I'm I'm socially pretty liberal. You know what I mean? Like it's like and but I'm not a libertarian because I you know, I don't know that we necessarily should be decriminalizing drugs. I think we should look at it a little bit differently um, and a big part of his education. But it's difficult because, you know, I look at kind of the, the Sean Hannity Republican side of things and it makes me want to throw up. Mm. But then. Yeah, man, I don't know how to describe where I am. I'm somewhere in the middle, but like I'm left on some issues, right on some issues, and I try to do what morally feels good to me. What uh, can you explain what you mean by socially liberal? Because 
I, I think for some of the younger members of the audience, it would be helpful because I don't think that phrase has the same meaning that, or any, maybe it has no meaning at all to them, but it definitely doesn't have the same meaning um, that it had 10 or 15 years ago. Now it's, it's very different. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of times people want the government to tell other people what to do. And that's more of a conservative thing. Like you, you know, this person can get married or that person can't get married or, you know, this person can do that or that person can't do that. Frankly, I don't care if it doesn't get in my way. Mm. And a lot of people see that as a very, you know, I guess, liberal viewpoint in a lot of ways, because, you know, if you look at what Republicans want to do a lot of times, they want to regulate everything. And I think at a certain point, like, I don't even think that the government should be, you know, giving out marriage contracts because that's between you and your spouse and your church and your God or whoever it may be. Like, I, it's not really a public thing to say. But I think we've gotten the state has stepped into too many parts of people's lives and try to tell us what we can and can't do. So, you know, I don't care if someone wants to get married to somebody they love. Whatever, man. I don't care if, um, you know, as long as you're not doing it in my house. Like, mm. I think too often people want to tell other people what they can't do when many times it doesn't affect them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, sure. But you, you do care if people do drugs in their homes. Well, yeah, because I think that that becomes kind of a larger societal issue because that can become a, like a downward spiral. Somebody gets addicted to drugs, they get a drug problem. All of a sudden, they pull other people into it. I think that can be a problem. But I think. Well, how do you how do you apply that logic to diabetes then? Since thirty eight percent of all Americans are either diabetic oh, or in pre diabetes. Okay, you got me on that one because at the same time, I think people. I think we need to do more education, sure, right, and yeah. have people make a choice. But I think we don't do a lot around education. We just let these. Like if you look at the food pyramid, mm. the food pyramid oh, was put retarded, together. Yeah. That's the retarded. food pyramid was put together by the company selling you the shit. Yeah, yeah. So I think that the point like is, Mills, is we yeah. need to, <laughs> the point is is like what to me it always comes down to education. You give people information, you give them real information, good information, you let them make a choice. Whatever choice they want to make, that's up to them. So I'm maybe we should spend more time choice. policing the information that people are putting out and less time policing actual people. You know what I mean? Because if it seems yeah, like... Yeah, but you know the tough part about that too then is you get the information governance board too. It's, it's yeah, like you're yeah, fucking yeah, away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's certainly true. When I say we should police them, yeah. I mean the public. I Like there's... Uh, you, you And you do that with your time and attention, right? Like the, those yes. are the two things that belong to you. Um, you know, if you're, a, if you're a fan of Ayn Rand or any of the old Austrian uh, uh, libertarian ideologies, you'll understand that the, the the most important property right is the yourself your own body yes. right your time your mind basically and <clears throat> we freely give those two things over to things and people who do not deserve them probably more than we do the opposite of that right like it's mm -hmm. we we are we I, I truly believe we're living in the dumbest period in human history um, yeah because we have so much not not only the internet, not, not just all the information. I, I can't, it's not that I can just go look something up. It's that people, ordinary people have a large voice now and they routinely expose institutions for being as corrupt as we've always known they were, right? We have, it's not like you can't, you can't play ostrich here anymore. We know that these mm -hmm. things are fucked up. We know that all this stuff that happened with COVID was bullshit, that doctors who had been prescribing off-label medicines for 80 years you know what I mean? The same drug for 80 years, all of a sudden it's horse paste and shit like that. Like we know, mm -hmm. we, we know all of this now and still people's minds rebuke what they see right in front of their faces. I don't, is it just, I, I can't figure out what it is because my brain is immediately just like, no, nah, that's fucking stupid. And it doesn't. Well, I think the, the, 
the difficulty in it is we want a free market economy, which I do. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it, you also have, I think a big part of it is getting rid of lobbyists. I think that was what it actually is. Because if, if you look at it, like companies should be able to grow. They should be able to do things. They should be able to take risks if they want to. But at the same time, I think that the way lobbyists work, they've got so much of a control of pharma. They've got, or they've, pharma's got so much of a control of our politicians. They've got all this money out there and things like that. And because of that, they're able to control who gets the information, right? The information is controlled by how much money you're giving a politician. And I, I think when it comes down to it, if you can get that money out of, out of it, it's going to get a little bit better. Like direct-to-consumer advertising is one of the worst things that ever happened for, for prescription drugs because my, your doctor a lot of times is getting a money or a trip or whatever from the drug company that's doing it, and then you're getting marketed to on TV to tell them you want it. So at the same time, we need to figure out how to separate the information from those that have the ability to benefit off that information. Does that make sense? Because they're basically paying for it and they're saying like, like when we look through the pandemic, everything was brought to you by Pfizer and you're supposed to expect that you're getting down, down the road information. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, that's, but that, that's been all of digital media has always been about that. I mean, General Electric designed the television just so they could, you know, promote their other products. That's yes. just, that's what it was about. And it started before that as well. I mean, we have <clears throat> we have these romantic ideas about you know the good old days in America, but in the later part of the 19th century, Rutherford B. Hayes got help from Western Union uh <laughs> to to be, essentially steal an election, right? To mm-hmm. to make sure that uh reconstruction didn't happen in the south that the way that, you know, some people wanted it to, I guess. Um <clears throat> So this has been going on a long time, and I wanted to bring it up because, uh, you know, you've got some expertise in, in early Roman propaganda. I wonder how you – have you ever read the book The Attention Merchants by Tim Wu? I have not, but I'll have to check that yeah, out. It's a cool check title. It out. I mean, he, he goes into how the snake oil salesman marketing uh, that happened in the later part of the, uh, uh, the 19th century, that was the game plan um, essentially for – uh, all the political advertisements that you used to hear back in the early part of the 20th century. That was the, that was the playbook was mm-hmm. exactly like how these traveling snake oil salesmen would operate. It's like, we will use the same kind of language. You know what I mean? Like you, you, and it's like weaving in scientific language with unscientific language, but not in a way that makes any sense, but it sounds official. I mean, there's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. going on there. Um, and <clears throat> you know, tell me about, the parallels you see between early Roman propaganda, not early Roman, but Roman propaganda, and then what's going mm-hmm. on today. Are there, are there parallels? Well, I think a big part of it is if you look at like Caesar, uh, Augustus Caesar, how he convinced people he was, how he convinced people was God was number one, positioning himself with different spiritual beings. So like his, his uh, adopted father, Julius Caesar, had mm. convinced people he was you know, related to the god Venus, because that was apparently believable in that time period. So that was kind of one part of what he had. But then he also observed a lot of what Pompey the Great had done, and Pompey the Great was obsessed with Alexander the Great. That's why he called himself the Great. And so he had modeled himself off of that. And when he actually won the Battle of Actium over over Mark Antony, this is talking about Augustus, he actually went and prayed before the sarcophagus of Alexander the Great. And everybody's like, wow, that's kind of weird because he had observed this competition between his father, Julius, and Pompey for who was actually going to be in control. And he said, okay, I'm going to position myself as kind of this godly Alexander type figure. So he had figured out how to position himself in that way. The other part about it is he was on every piece of money 
He was on every piece of decision making. He was no one could go any place without getting to see the emperor. And I think that's a lot of what started to happen with being president is being president. The power has centralized. Right. It's not in Congress like it should be anymore. Right. Like you can see the president can do through the War Powers Act. He can do different things he should not been able to do. And you're seeing the power start to centralize where you even look at a lot of what happened with Obama. People treated him like he was divine. And I think that's the best example of what we're seeing is it becomes this person that's going to save you, that's going to be divine and it's going to do things for you. You know, I love Donald Trump, but there's a lot of people out there that seem to think that he's, you know, God's gift to this country. I'll tell you right now, he's, he's just a dude. But I think that we've gotten to this position where we're willing to accept this Messiah-like character. And that is exactly how Roman emperors made themselves, you know, divine to people. They made themselves their Messiah. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, the hero worship shit is kind of where we, yes. where our political systems in the West devolve pretty rapidly because, <clears throat> you know, you put yourself in these positions where you have to defend un- indefensible positions because you're somehow related to this uh, political party or candidates. And, and the the, <clears throat> the odd thing about it is, and, and may, this might even be the most destructive part of it, is that the left isn't really the left anymore and the right's not really the right anymore. You know what I mean? No, the like political these, spectrum's gone. Yeah, yeah. These, these, uh, th- this alleged conservatism, fiscal conservatism, uh, I haven't seen it in a while. You know what I mean? Since probably Eisenhower, maybe I don't remember. Maybe, maybe some to some degree in Nixon's uh, duration, but certainly not in Reagan's. He wasn't physically conservative. Well, Nixon took away the gold standards, and he screwed us too. That's true. Yeah, that's that's a good point. <laughs> so maybe Eisenhower was the last real conservative president we had. Um, like I. I, I just fighting weird wars all over the place and spending money. Um, and then, you know, Republicans presided over the largest expansion of the federal government in American history and the largest well, because expansion you look of the at police it, the politi- state as well. The political spectrum's broken. Like, there is no left and right anymore. What people don't understand, and, and G. Edward Griffin talks a lot about mm-hmm. this, on one side of the spectrum, there's collectivism. And collectivism has different forms that it shows up on, right? There's communism, there's fascism, there's socialism. They're all different forms of collectivism. They get there in different ways, but they're collectivist. And on the other side of that, you have liberty. And the, the more you give away your liberty for the collective, the more you end up in one of those collective ideas. It's not left or right anymore, man. Like mm-hmm. if you look at the, the Democratic Party now, it is not the party of JFK. That party does not exist anymore. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's the real issue you're looking at. Because even if you look at, if you showed today's Republican Party, the Republican Party 40 years ago, they'd have a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Because we have, we have become about so much control in our lives. Um, and that's why I think the two-party system is just a bad thing for us. Because if you, if you look at it, it creates an Overton window. And in Overton window, you show people two options and they have to pick one of them. And one of those options still takes them closer, you know, to this more totalitarian goal. Whereas if you gave people different options, they could be like, well, I like that one a little bit better, that one a little bit better. But third parties are just not a possibility here. And you even look at like what they've done to third party candidates. You know, they, they in um, I think it was the 2012 election when Gary Johnson was running as a libertarian, they changed the requirements. So Gary Johnson couldn't be on the debate stage. So that the, the, the the system is so set up on two parties, they're able to kind of move us wherever they want because there's not more than two options. Yeah. Yeah. And this, <clears throat> it, it isn't just the right, the political right, obviously. The left is the same. I mean, that's probably why JFK was clipped because he didn't want to escalate in Vietnam. Um, and, you know, uh, by the end of Obama's tenure, he had uh, committed, I think, let's see, 4,500 deaths through drone strike. And then he had deported mm-hmm. more people than all. F- presidents uh, former presidents combined 
Like he had deported yes. more people than all previous presidents combined. Um, and then you get to, you know, <clears throat> Trump, who allowed Fauci to bend his ass over and the country, frankly. Yes. And he's still out there taking credit for a vaccine that's absolute bullshit. Um, it blows my mind, man. Like, I, I like so many things he's done. And mm -hmm. I, I just don't get it. Is it his ego? Like, why can't he get over that and say, you know, guys, I rushed this thing. Maybe I shouldn't have rushed this thing. It's hurting some people. I'm sorry. But he just can't I, do yeah. it. I don't I know I think why. it would be a very powerful message for him to say, I trusted these people too much, and I won't make that fucking mistake again. He refuses mm -hmm. to say, like, behind closed doors, that's what his staffers will say. That, oh, yeah. he's he's not naive this time. He really will drain the swamp this time. It's like, all right, well, cool. That'd be nice to hear from him, frankly. Yes. Because he's supposed to be the goddamn leader. Yeah, and it's even, I don't know if you saw the Megyn Kelly interview recently. Like, he did the same thing. And then after that interview, he talked about her being a very nasty person. And it's like, <laughs> I, I don't know, dude. Like, I feel like we're just, we just don't have any good options out there at this point. Well, there are good options. And that is to, uh, you know, take control of your local governments. And yes. then, so, th so this is my plan. I'll run this by you. You can give me some feedback yeah. on this. Well, um, no, and I, I, I'll say first off, I appreciate that because it seems like every general I interview says start local. Yeah, well, you, you definitely should. I mean, it's why that's that's my main beef with libertarians is that they're always trying to run people for president. Like, what would a libertarian president do exactly? End the presidency? Nothing. Like, I mean, that would be the <laughs> ultimate goal, right? Um, but anyways, uh, I, people have to take control of their local governments and start the process of nullification. Mm -hmm. Like, the, our, our, if, if we are indeed, and I, I agree with you, I think we are in a collectivist versus populist war right now, and it has nothing to do with yes. political sides. I think it needs to get back to being a war between political sides because that is what keeps us sharp, healthy, and on the middle road, to use an old British phrase. But, like, the, just the, the right and the left, the, the mom and the dad, just, just mm -hmm. you know, giving us the two things we need, nurturing and fucking guidance anyways. Um, but starting at the local level, <clears throat> taking over politics in your local level. And then when a higher authority, be it the county, the state, or the federal government, comes looking for shit, you tell them to go fuck themselves. And pe people look at, they, they hear that idea and they think it's all, you could never do that. That's crazy. That's the government. It has been routinely done over the last 20 years in multiple states, California, Massachusetts, especially with both gay marriage and with weed, right? They told mm -hmm. for 20 years, told the federal government to go fuck itself. Like, we're not following those rules. You got a problem with it, come do something. And what the government do? They didn't do a goddamn thing because they know they can't. The government, right. federal government especially, their power is like Tinkerbell. And it only exists if we all believe it exists. You know what I mean? Uh, yes. Because they're not. They're, here's what they're not going to do in the United States. They may. This may work in other countries that have an authoritarian bend, but mil the military is not going door to door here. That ain't happening. You know what I mean? It's just not. I, these are my people. They, that's not mm -hmm. happening. As a matter of fact, if the government told us to do that, we would take the government down. Frankly. But here's here's my question about that. Like, do you think because I, I know especially after the mandates and stuff with with COVID, I feel like they've been pushing a lot of the good guys out. Sure. Um, and you look at, you know, I don't know if you saw the the freaking guy wearing the dog mask that was in the Air oh, Force yeah. or something like oh, that. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, I feel like they're they're pushing a lot of this stuff. And even uh, Millie, for the, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, is he actually retiring this week, mm -hmm. I think. But I think a lot of that stuff's been pushed on our military that, like, I guess, do you think we're still there, I guess, is my question. Because I uh, think well, they're trying to force the good guys out. I guess it depends on what you consider the military to be, right? I mean... Certainly yeah. they've, they've through mandates and through woke nonsense, tried to gerrymander the ranks of the, all the institutions that protect us, whether it be first responders or, or, or the military or masculinity itself, right? This is certainly a concerted mm -hmm. effort to do that. But they're still 
tens of thousands of people like me cruising around in regular life just waiting for something to pop off you know what mm -hmm. i mean so i'm not terribly yeah. concerned with that shit frankly because the guy the fucking blue hair dude they send to my house he's not making it home you know what i yeah. mean that that's just how that's gonna go but anyways there, there's a clear blueprint for this stuff where mm -hmm. you call it capture a local political institution and and refuse to play ball with people who are trying mm -hmm. to take advantage of you that's all you have to do we see it <clears throat> in cancel culture as well um as talked about on the last show but charles barkley says there's a lot of fat women in san antonio well guess what san antonio is the third fattest city in america and it's the seventh <laughs> largest city in america which makes it the fattest city mm -hmm. on earth so yeah there's some fat women there there's quite a few as a matter of fact probably more fat women in san antonio than any other city in the world and mm -hmm. and they were like oh you can't fucking say that and not that i agree with charles barkley and everything politically he's kind of a knucklehead to use his own phrase but uh, he just said uh, you, fuck you i don't care what you think i said well what you I know said, you know bitch. what we know it tells me you're right is if you look at the actions of the FBI, if you look at what they're doing, mm. that tells you you're right. You know, they're going after what they call, you know, uh, you know, domestic extremists. Domestic extremists is one part of it. They're going mm. after parents that go to school boards. Well, yeah. that tells me that we're doing the right thing at the school boards, right? They're going after people that are pro-life or whatever. They're, 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 so it's they're going after different things they see as a threat to their power. So that would tell me that they're basically telling you, hey, these are the exact things that you should be doing because they're a threat to our right. power. Am I correct? Yes, 100%. And it is, <clears throat> you know, the power of the public, the power of populism is collectively saying no, right? We saw it with it. You mentioned the govern governance disinformation board, disinformation governance mm -hmm. board, whatever the fuck it was called. Oh, that lady was a nut job too. Have you seen she, her singing? She's absolutely crazy, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they announced that this was going to happen and – Everybody from every political angle lit their ass up for about two mm -hmm. weeks, and then she got mm -hmm. fired, and they they ended the program, which had never You, you really know what her job so. is now, by the way? She's a registered agent of the British government. You can look it up. She had to, she did, under the Foreign Registration Act, she mm -hmm. is registered uh, working for the British government. Now. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because Hillary's out on the stump this past weekend on MSNBC talking about how we should pay really close attention to the 2024 election because it's probably going to be Russian interference. That, just as a reminder, this woman, this woman used DNC money to pay another registered agent of the, the British government, Steele, uh, uh, mm -hmm. Steele, for the dossier. He was literally a fucking foreign intelligence officer. She paid him using DNC funds to fabricate Russian collusion. And we all know that now. We all know that it was fake. Everybody knows mm -hmm. that it was fake, including people on her side who have criticized her for it. But she's still on a major news channel talking about it like it's a real threat, one. And two, like, oh, you guys are crazy for not believing this. You, you can deny it all you want, but it's happening. It's, no, it's not. We know you paid for it, you stupid mm -hmm. bitch. Like, what the fuck? She paid a small fine for it, too. A little fine, yeah. No, no fine for... Uh, smashing the blackberries and for some reason pouring bleach on them i'm not sure what that does by the way just out if you're out there committing crimes don't pour bleach on blood if you're trying to get rid of it it doesn't work ammonia works uh, and alcohol isopropyl alcohol works just if you're trying to clean up a crime scene is all i'm saying all bleach is going to do is smear your dna around they're still going to be able to find it just just you know I'm trying to find the exact article for you here now, yeah. too, because uh, what Nina the, Jankowitz does now. Oh, is it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. What, what exactly is she doing for the British government? So she works for she's a registered agent for the UK Parliament. Um, she does one of their disinformation things now. It's just the center for something. Give me a second here. Well, I'm surprised she didn't get snapped up by Canada because they're pretty into it as well. 
I mean, well, yeah. of course, when they're not giving standing ovations to Nazis. Yeah, um, what the heck is the group she works in? There's a pol- uh, it's a policy group she works in. It doesn't mean she works for the government. Sure, but yeah. What happens is when you're working for an organization that's registered in another country, like Hunter Biden needed to but mm-hmm. didn't, you have to register as an agent of that country. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It's Foreign it's Registration a, Act, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's so, not a Foreign <clears throat> Registration Act. Why, why do you... Why Center do you... for Information Resilience is who she works for right now. Oh, she's, the vi- she's the vice president. <laughs> they they really they really stretch on those fucking titles. <laughs> I mean it's that's some that's some gymnastics right there. Good lord. Oh man. yeah. Well that's not surprising. Um <clears throat> so anyway, apologize I pulled you off a off a target there, man. No, 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 no. I mean it's it's that that's all really important, I think. It's like you're the the collect the ability to collectively say no is the most powerful thing that a community can do. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's going to be difficult to say yes to things. It should be difficult to say yes to things because you need to get consensus. And that the, the process of getting consensus is how we filter out bad ideas. It sh- it's supposed to be how we filter out bad ideas. Um, <clears throat> you also have to realize how disparate the country is, right? That's why we have federalism. That's why we have the Ninth and Tenth Amendments. You know, they're, they're mm-hmm. very specific and pointed in that direction. Um but there is this human inclination, and you, you Republicans historically had done it for a very long time, and now it's kind of the left doing it. Um, but people want to have control over other people for some reason. And I don't know if mm-hmm. that's something intrinsic to humanity or if it's something that's programmed into us somehow. Or, or it's just like our worst fears, our, the, the worst characteristics about human beings are just being manipulated by people in power to make us – want to control other people. But frankly, I don't give a shit what other people do. As long as you're not fucking with mm-hmm. kids or something, I don't give a fuck what you do. I, I frankly, I think it's the worst thing that a human being can do. Yeah. Is it? And, oh, yeah. and to me, it's kind of crazy with, you know, the amount of stuff that started to come out about, you know, trafficking in children. And you see, you know, the, the government is taking away funding from it and all other sorts of stuff. It's like a little bit crazy to me. It's anyway. Uh, yeah, it is crazy. So, you know, <clears throat> has there... You're you're a bit of a student of history. Do you remember a time in human history where we were at a position similar to what we're in now, and then maybe what happened? Um, you know, I don't know if I have an answer for you that one. Other than like, if you look at you know the Weimar Republic and how they kind of spent money, because I look at the economic side of things. Mm-hmm. If you look at how the Weimar Republic kind of spent themselves in the hyperinflation after after you know the treaty for the First World War. That's where we are. And I think the problem is, is people think because the American dollar is still like, quote unquote, the strongest dollar in the world. But if you look at it, you know, the BRICS countries and things are, are raising there. There's a big threat to that because we've showed people, especially by what we've done with Russia and the in Ukraine conflict of how we try to use the U.S. dollar as a weapon. Then why do people want to invest in it? And the only thing that allows us to spend money we don't have and keep running up the credit card is the fact that we're the reserve currency. Mm. If we lose that, we're fucked overnight. Oh, yeah. So to me, that's the thing I look at is I look at economically, we can only spend like this so long because that's how, you know, the Weimar Republic fell after the First World War. It's how, you know, the Roman Empire fell was they basically ran out of money to be able to run their army. And then they, everybody else just kind of came in and took over. So we're, we're in trouble if we don't handle economic policy. But the problem is it seems like nobody even wants to do it. We, we're running up against this <laughs> this 930 deadline to do something about, uh, you know, the the budget. And instead, Kevin McCarthy saying, well, we're, we're considering writing an impeachment for Joe Biden. It's like, well, how about we take a look at the budget, look at individual budget uh, spending bills and start to vote on them one by one rather than 
passing another stupid omnibus because that is how we ruin our country oh, is yeah. by ruining our money. Well, they're not going to be able to to call a vote and then certainly not going to be able to win a vote on an omnibus bill unless they let it go down to the wire. That's They, they, they know exactly. That's what how they do it every there. time, yeah. man, because they're like, oh, it's desperate. We saved your life. You got your Social Security. How do you yeah. feel about it? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think uh, I, I wonder about this because I think of the Weimar Republic as well. Do you think the economic issues precipitate precipitate the authoritarianism or is it yes. the opposite of that? You know what I mean? It's like, do are, are we authoritarian? So we uh, I, I don't think any smart authoritarian would create hyperinflation, but the Weimar Republic no. really did it. I mean, they fucked themselves up big time. But it also you have to look at the, the treaty for World War One as well. Mm. Like the treaty for World War One, they were paying so much money to France. They didn't have that it helped to create that situation, right? So then it creates a, a situation where people are looking for someone to save them. And that, that is, that's in a situation we're in right now and where people are looking for someone to save them. They're looking for, as we said earlier, a messianic character at some point, somebody that's going to pop up and save them all. And that's, yeah. um, you know, every emperor build themselves as that. You look at, um, you know, von Bismarck build himself as that. As, and, and, and that's what actually led us to someone like Hitler. Mm. So it puts us in a situation where people are looking for a savior. So they'll accept just about anything, man. So I don't think it's that. I think corruption precedes the economic problems. And it leads to a situation where someone can actually come in with, that wouldn't typically be accepted. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I have a hard time imagining what character would be ubiquitously accepted today. You know what I mean? And I, mm -hmm. I don't. I don't know how popular. Um, I don't know how popular Hitler really was amongst the general public after you know the uh, the late twenties, early thirties, um, mm -hmm. before he became chancellor. And then when he became chancellor, it's hard to say how much of that was. Uh, people are afraid because they know he was a fucking lunatic versus people who actually mm -hmm. supported it. I know there was some pretty wide. Well, he support. he grabbed the 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 wheels of power so fast and so violently, right? Mm -hmm. With the, with the knight of long knives, he kills all of the people that had had uh, resisted him. Yeah. So at that point in time, it's like you know what kind of resistance are you going to put up to somebody that can kill you at the point of a gun? You know. Sure, yeah. And then of course he immediately weaponized one of the more to that point, sophisticated propaganda machines in the history of the world. You know what I mean? Yes. I mean, I think they were the first propaganda machine to have a literal film department <laughs> who, who was a, essentially a cabinet level member of the government who was specifically like, hey, here you go make some war films. We need those uh, and shit like that. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So then if that's the case, how do how do we insulate ourselves from that stuff? Because we are on a dangerous stretch of highway right now. Well, number one, what you were talking about, get involved locally. You know, I've had I've had. Uh... General Mike Flynn tell me that. I've had uh, Colonel McGregor tell me that. I've had um, Colonel Manis tell me that. Get involved locally. That is the number one thing you have to do. But from there, I think it's also like taking care of your family and not depending on others, wherever you can, right? There's some areas where you have to cooperate others, and it is what it is. But I think getting involved locally and taking care of your family is a big deal. You know, taking care of your family values, making sure your kids have the ability to, to, to think for themselves and do for themselves. And that's why I think right now homeschooling is the best option. It's not the easiest option. Sure. It's definitely difficult to do. But where we live, it's a homeschool group, and it's a bunch of parents working together to figure things out. So I think that's important too. But it starts in the home, man, and it starts locally. If you can do those things, you can do something about it. But I think thinking that you know, in 2024 we're going to vote for some messianic character that's going to save us, that is the exact thing that takes us to our own destruction. We have to start locally. Yeah. Isn't that very obvious, though? Like, if you're a baseball, I use this analogy a lot. If you're a baseball player and your swing's fucked up, um, you don't typically go to, like, a home run derby to fix it. You break it down. You go back yes. to fundamentals, right? And you you break your swing down into the smallest possible parts and fix each one of those parts. And then you put it Correct. back together again. 
That's very obvious. We do that with everything else in life, except for, you know, our grand political problems. Um, maybe it's too tough for people to do that. I don't know. But we, well, yeah, because you even look at like people are saying, mm. oh, you know, Democrats won last time because of the voter, uh, you know, ballot harvesting. We're going to do the same thing. Mm. No, that's what destroys it all. Like, yeah. that's stupid. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it's really it's really stupid to say, OK, that's the game. Now we're going to make it all about the game. Now you have to figure out how to do the right thing and solve it rather than just, well, sure. if that's how you're going to play. We'll play that way, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, and then on the other side of that, um, we're. I, the propaganda in the modern West is pretty effective. I mean, I don't understand mm -hmm. why anybody supports what we're doing in Ukraine right now. It doesn't make any sense for our country to be involved in this shit. Uh, it doesn't make any sense for NATO either to be involved in any of this stuff. I mean, it's, it, it is, it's very bizarre to me, frankly, and I wonder what your take on that is. Well, because most people don't realize how big of a part we played in it. You know, in, in, in you had the, the Orange Revolution in Ukraine that, that, uh, um, we played a part in. Mm -hmm. You had the 2014 Maidan revolution that Victoria Newland played a huge part in here, here as well. And you have Joe Biden that was saying, hey, if we can get the prosecutor fired, then um, you know, we'll give you the, the loan guarantee. We've had so much to do with what's happened in Ukraine, and most people just don't know about it. And our politicians have gotten rich off it. You have the Biden family, you have the Kerry family, you have um, Mitt Romney's son also made money off it as well. So you have so many of these guys are making so much goddamn money off laundering money in Ukraine. And then, of, of course, they're going to go to war if something is going because their piggy bank's going away. But most people don't know about this and they've consumed so much propaganda, they're not willing to accept it. And I think that's the difficulty. Yeah. Do you think. Uh, I, I wonder if like the Gellman amnesia effect plays some role in it or if it's. Uh, I'm not or, familiar with that. Uh, it's like. People will, they will persist in trusting a particular institution, even if it shows itself repeatedly to be not worthy of trust. Right. Mm. The example that was given to me was: imagine you're on the financial side of the New York Times or in the financial page of the New York Times, and you uh, just keep taking stock advice, even though you're losing your ass every time you take the advice. But then you turn the page, you see the stock advice, like, well, it's the New York Times. I guess you should take this advice. You know what I mean? Or mm -hmm. is it? just a spent cost fallacy or people or the, I think it's, I think it, this is what I think it's the spent cost fallacy, but there's some, there's something emotional going on as well in there. People don't mm. want to face the embarrassment or shame or humiliation of having to admit, you know what? We were fucking not, not just were we wrong, but we were really wrong and it fucked mm. a lot of shit up and now we've got to repair it. Well, you look at what happened in Iraq, right? Like, you know, we, we do all this stuff because there's weapons of mass destruction. And it turns out there wasn't a weapons of mass destruction. I think we get so far down there, we just got to keep going at that point in time because to be wrong is is really hard. Yeah. And But to be wrong is also honest as well. And I think the problem is, you know, we don't want to do what feels uncomfortable. And if you look at even when I'm going back to February of last year when the Ukraine war started, Fox News had freaking promotional packages ready the day it happened. Yeah. Like it was the propaganda was so strong that people bought into it so early that it becomes so difficult to change people's minds. You know, everybody had a Ukraine flag on their car and it was in their bio. And so it became kind of this thing that if you didn't support it, you were wrong. Right. So people also don't want to think outside of the box. Yeah. It, it just puts people in a position where to be wrong would be terrible. Yeah. Well, I don't give a fuck about Ukraine. Uh, just in case anybody missed that part. Um, uh, <laughs> well, I, so I, I was there in 2019, mm -hmm. like, and I've met some really cool people and I have some cool friends that are Ukrainian. But at the same time, like, when it shouldn't be in this fucking war, man, it, yeah. it's a waste of money. People are dying. It's stupid. And it's about politicians' corruption. Yeah, that's all it is. 
Um, look, this has been a good conversation. We got to get out of here though. Tell everybody where yeah, they man. can find you. JeremyRyanSlate.com, and they can listen to me. You know, I guess run my mouth like I have been here, and I uh, hope they enjoyed it today. And you're on your, your show's called uh, Command Your Brand, right? Well, Command Your Brands, my, uh, my company, Create Your Own Life, is actually my show. Oh, Create Your um, Own Life. You, okay, sorry. YouTube's the main place for making trouble over there. Okay. And what? tell me about that show. So it started really as like a personal development like uh, type of show. And then when the shit hit the fan in 2020, I started interviewing people like Mike Lindell mm-hmm. and, and uh, other people like that to figure out what's really happening in our world and what you really know. And it came, it became more of a, you know, you need to know what the game board of life looks like to play it well. So I want to talk about difficult things that we shouldn't be approaching because, you know, you quoted GK Chesterton earlier. And one of the big things he said is the only real two real things to talk about are politics and religion. So yep. we try to talk about those things and, and let people make their own decisions. Yeah. Good. Well, you guys check them out. <clears throat> uh, it's say the website again. Uh, JeremyRyanSlate.com. Okay, JeremyRyanSlate.com. Uh, check him out. Check out his show. Uh, appreciate you coming on today. It's been great. Hey, thank you so much for having me, man. Yeah, anytime. And thank you all for listening. This has been Citizen. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.